Welcome into No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Joe Zolo, and this week we are on our third week of our look inside team previews, going with the Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you missed last week's episode, uh, it was on 4, 5, and 6 in the draft order. I'm forgetting the teams off the top of my head, but you can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening on 97.3, be sure to follow us there as well. And joining me, as always, our co-host, Josh Hudson. Josh, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well for the fact that we're recording this at 11 a.m. in the morning, which I'm not used to, but uh, I'm dealing with it. And to answer your question, Joe, it was the Giants, Dolphins, and Chargers that we did last week. I mean, it, it wasn't a question. It was more of a statement that I really didn't care to find out. Well, I'm phrasing it as a question, so deal with it. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Didn't ask, but appreciate you. Uh, joining us again, basically for the rest of the summer until he decides to quit, is Ryan Weiss from the Fantasy Footballers. Ryan, how are you? Good morning. I am fantastic. Glad to be here. That's what I love to hear. And also joining us, whoo, second guest, people. It's getting real spicy up in the room today. Aaron Larson, also from the Fantasy Footballers. Aaron, welcome. Hey, thank you. We appreciate you coming on, man. So uh, everyone knows Ryan. Ryan's been on the show for, I think, five, six times now, probably more. So, Aaron, this is your first time. He's welcome just part to of the, the family show. at this point. Yeah, he is. <laughs> So, Aaron, uh, we always like to kick it off because I always love to give you guys credit. Where can everyone find your work, your writing, et cetera? Yep, so you can find it pretty much the exact same place you find Ryan's on uh, the, the Ballers website. Uh, putting a lot of work up there this time of year. I know Ryan has been too. Um, and then I do have a, a solo podcast that I kind of dabble with. It's called uh, The Process Fantasy Football Podcast. So get on that every now and then. Uh, and then just on Twitter, I'm usually there at A.A. Larson. And Aaron, I just discovered that today. I saw you did a bunch of pods for your uh, your projections. That was awesome. I made sure I gave you a retweet on that. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> and it's A-A-Ron, people, not A-Ron. Just so <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, we get that straight. Key and Peel fans out there. All right. Oh, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> I love it. So as we said, uh, Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals, Jacksonville Jaguars today. We're going to go through, give you the upside, downside, trust fall, rookie sleeper, and IDP for each team. Uh, Josh and Ryan, of course, handling the first four, myself handling the sleeper and IDP. Then we will break down one specific person from each team that we feel kind of has a little debate around him, especially in this circle here with these three guys. So we'll start off with the Carolina Panthers, starting off with the upside, Ryan and Josh, consensus, Ian Thomas. Downside, Josh, you have DJ Moore. Ryan, you also have DJ Moore. Okay, this is this is just great. So we're all consensus here. <laughs> yeah, I think we're pretty like in the, the Panthers, same exact page with the Panthers. The Panthers are exactly the same. So uh, if I mean Trustfall is obviously Teddy Bridgewater. Um, no, Trustfall is Christian McCaffrey, best player in fantasy football. Uh, rookie to watch, Omar Bayless. He's an undrafted rookie, right? I don't think the Panthers drafted. An offensive they did player. not. They spent all seven picks on defense, okay. so we yep. definitely had to search for that one. But uh, Bayless was a guy that I think it was Arkansas State that he went to, kind of a smaller school, but he put up some decent numbers. Combine was a little disappointing. I think that's why he went undrafted, but um, he could definitely flash. I mean, you know, who knows? They, they sign Robbie Anderson. Maybe Curtis Samuel gets traded. Injuries happen. Maybe Bayless gets some run. It's a name to know. My sleeper, I have Teddy Bridgewater, and my IDP, I have Shaq Thompson. I love him 
with uh, the departure of Luke Keekley, sadly, at a young age of 29. So the biggest debate I feel that I have heard, and I believe that, Aaron, I, I think you're big on this guy, whereas Josh and Ryan aren't, is DJ Moore. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Aaron, but I believe you're big on that guy. Oh, yeah, I am uh, pre pretty bullish on DJ this year. All right, so let, let's start with the good, right? We need some good in this world. Why are you big on DJ Moore heading into year three for him? Yeah, so this is actually what um, uh, Josh flagged me down. After you saw the, the article, uh, my most recent one with the Ballers was I kind of had a little bit of a, a plague plant, and I'm saying that uh, DJ Moore could be the number one ride receiver in fantasy this season. Now, that's not a projection. That's a could be. Um, but I just love the opportunity that he has. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a big upgrade um, over the handful of quarterbacks, Kyle Allen and uh, company last season. Um, looking at how Teddy did uh, with uh, the Saints, he sustained wide receiver one numbers with Michael Thomas last year. And I think DJ Moore has that uh, kind of athleticism, that kind of ability. And in this division in the NFC South, they are going to be passing the ball a lot to try to even stay close in games. So I think uh, the combination of volume, a more accurate pass uh, passer, and just where I think he's going to do most of his damage in that short to intermediate range, get a lot of yards after catch, kind of uh, Michael Thomas-esque type season. I just, I, I love his ceiling this year. All right, so then we'll go to the negative Nancys over here, and we'll start with <laughs> uh, Josh, I guess. Josh, I... I know, so, like, just, just for everyone's knowledge here, DJ Moore had 161 fantasy points 2018, 242 in 2019, so he made a huge leap in his sophomore year. Josh, do you think he just, like, this is his plateau, or he actually declines from here on out? I think he'll decline this year, and it's not because his talent is going to regress. I think it's just the situation that he's now in. Look, you don't go out and sign Robbie Anderson and pay him $12 million this year to only throw him the football 50 times. It's just not going to happen, okay? I got into um, a little bit of a Twitter thread with Pauly Sleeper yesterday. We were talking because he wanted to know more about DJ Moore from a dynasty perspective. I love DJ Moore from a dynasty perspective. I own him on two of my dynasty teams. But when we're talking just this year in redraft, there's you have a ton of weapons on this team and you're talking leading off with Christian McCaffrey going into DJ Moore going into Curtis Samuel Robbie Anderson and Ian Thomas at the tight end position they have weapons to work with Teddy Bridgewater is not somebody who's going to come in and throw the football 650 times Polly was like well remember when and and this was kind of his comparison when Alex Smith went to Kansas City is like they want to air it out so he aired it out. Well, when you start looking at it, Alex Smith didn't throw the ball more than 508 times in any year in Kansas City. He just controlled the offense and had a high completion percentage and let the guys around him do the thing. Yards after catch, whatever it was. Travis Kelsey led the team in targets. Tyreek Hill in, in 2017, that big year that Alex Smith had, had just over 100. I think that was Hill's rookie year. So... I think for comparison's sake, I would bump more up in that range. But outside of that, you don't have you didn't have anybody else on Kansas City that could actually be 
a solid contributor with the ball in their hands. And Carolina has that with guys like Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. So for me, DJ Moore is taking a hit just because of the people around him. But then when you really, really dig deep into it, the numbers when it comes to air yards per attempt and per completion, there is very little difference from what Moore had with Cam Newton in 2018 and Kyle Allen last year to what Teddy Bridgewater did in that small sample Orleans. You're talking about 3.4 completed air yards per attempt and uh, 5.5 completed air yards per completion for Kyle Allen. Last year, Bridgewater had 3.2 completed air yards per attempt and 5.7 completed air yards per completion. There really isn't much of a difference. Now, Aaron, you brought up the, you know, sustaining the, um, you know, wide receiver one with Michael Thomas. Who else did New Orleans have to throw the football to? <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, he didn't, no. they didn't have anybody. So, and that's, you know, you look at that, you mentioned the other weapons around him. And honestly, that's one of my reasons why I think Moore could take a big step. Um, you know, you say Robbie Anderson's getting this money, and that's, that's true. He's got the guaranteed $12 million, which is a decent contract. But I think he could fall into that kind of that category of a player that helps his football team in other ways than catching the ball 120 times or getting 120 targets. Um, him and Curtis Samuel both stretching the field. Those are both burners. Um, Christian McCaffrey's always a threat out of the backfield. And uh, Joe Brady coming in from LSU, uh, kind of known as making or designing plays to get players in space, that feeds right into what Moore should be great at is catching those balls. I don't think he's going to be a big air yard guy or a big average um, depth target guy, but he catches those balls in the medium range, and he has that uh, that athleticism, that tackle-breaking ability to turn those into bigger plays. So I think he does lead the team in targets. I don't think Anderson or Samuel are going to be useless, but I think they are more of like a scheming, stretch the field, open up spaces for more to dominate kind of kind of so, factors. So to, to add on to what Aaron said in terms of – I'm impartial here. I don't think Moore's going to have as good a season as he did last year, uh, I don't, but I don't think it's like a drastic change. But to add on to Aaron's point, so, you know, spreading the field, letting DJ Moore, allowing him to do his work after the catch. Last year he had 8.7 yards per target but his yards per catch was 13 and a half. So he knows what to do when he has the ball in his hands. My biggest issue with him is he doesn't get in the end zone. That's my biggest issue with DJ Moore is I feel with his ability after the catch, he should find his way into the end zone more. And I don't know if maybe that was a product of, I mean, Curtis Samuel should have had 14 touchdowns last year, but Kyle Allen couldn't hit him in the red zone. So it's like maybe that was a product of the quarterback and the offense. But the, the biggest issue with me is that he doesn't get in the end zone enough. That's what that's my biggest issue with DJ Morris. I want, at least if I'm going to invest in him as my wide receiver one, I'd like more than four receiving touchdowns. I feel like that's Moore not has six career touchdowns over two years. Half of them have gone for over 50 yards. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's big play. Yeah. And that's, that's almost like, so I, this was in the, the more article that I wrote. It's, it is absolutely ridiculous how, how few touchdowns he has. Um, one, one of the metrics I like to look at for receiving touchdowns is how many yards it takes you to get a receiving touchdown. So I, like for reference, Julio Jones, who is known to kind of not score a lot of touchdowns, 
for his career, he has had one touchdown for every 213 receiving yards. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, right now for his career, DJ Moore is one touchdown for every 327. Like that can't. That's that's such an outlier. That can't. For reference' that way. sake, Calvin Ridley has one touchdown every 99. Yeah, yards. and that's <laughs> that's the exact opposite. That's also ridiculous on the other end of outliers. So, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to all of a sudden. Uh, put up 12 or 13 touchdowns, but I think, I think we could almost expect some of that positive regression, like seven, eight, nine should be feasible. You know, that's isn't kind it of entirely possible, approach, you know, isn't it entirely possible that Moore just isn't a touchdown guy that maybe his ceiling is only five touchdowns in a year. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. It just seems with the amount of yardage he gets and his ability, like these first, first two years, we could be looking at this, five, six, and this is more of a dynasty outlook now, I guess, but looking at it five, six, seven years from now, being, man, remember those first two years of DJ Moore, how he never scored and what happened after that? So, I mean, it can go either way. That's, we're getting pretty far into projecting the future here. <laughs> yeah, and I like him as a dynasty play. Um, one of the things I'm just not on board with, and Josh touched on this earlier, is I don't see, I think a lot of people when they're projecting Carolina, and you were pretty realistic with your totals in your article, Aaron, but a lot of people when they're projecting Carolina, are projecting them at the 630 plus attempts they had last year, which was top five, maybe even top three. I think, I think it was second NFL. or third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if you look, so everybody wants to talk about Joe Brady's wide open offense. Even if you look at what Kingsbury did in Arizona in year one, he only threw the ball 550 times um, to where you just don't know that you're going to see 600 attempts. You might not even get to 550 attempts because while Joe Brady is running the offense, Matt Rule is still an offensive-minded head coach, and he likes to run the football. Um, one of the key points you brought up in your article, and I'm interested to see how this plays out in the season, is um, rookie year Moore was used as a, a runner and ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Last year it was Curtis Samuel. If that role is going to exist in Matt Rule's offense, who's going to take it? Because those rushing yards, while it's not a ton of points, that's 16 to 17 extra points you could see that would bump him up that I'm not projecting that that would drag him up the rankings a little bit, but I just don't see the target share with the three wide receivers being there. And I don't see the attempts that it's going to take to drag him up into top 10 category. I do believe there will be positive touchdown regression. Um, but the one thing is Teddy Bridgewater in his like six games as a starter last year, only threw nine touchdowns. And of those nine, only three went to Michael Thomas. And two but, were against Tampa in one game. <laughs> yeah. And if you project it, I mean, Moore might have the athleticism in Thomas, but he does not have the size. One of the stats that jumped out to me um, in his two years in the NFL. Yeah. In the, in his two years in the NFL, he only has 21 red zone targets as well. Thomas had 26 last year. So I just don't know that that would be the apples to apples comparison I would use. And that's kind of why, like I have him in my flat projections, half point PPR. He's projecting out as my wide receiver, 17, his ADB is wide receiver nine. It's not that I wouldn't want to own DJ Moore, but where he's being drafted, there's no chance I'm ever going to own DJ. Moore. Yeah. That's kind of my, my process with him too. Like I, the draft rights for him is just getting way out of hand. I fully expect him to be a top 20 wide receiver, but I'm not going to pay top 10 prices to get let down. And that's kind of where I stand on, on DJ Moore this year. Like I said, long-term, I love him. Bridgewater is just a very average quarterback to me. I don't think there's much of an upgrade from him to Kyle Allen. He's going to be a little more careful with the football. But 
the most TDs he's ever had as a starter in this league was 14. <laughs> I mean, I, sure, I think he'll he'll hit 20 if he's going to start 14, 15 games for Carolina this year. He'll top 20, but then it becomes where are they all going to go? Because, again, you have all these other weapons, Ian Thomas being a big guy in the red zone, uh, Robbie Anderson being a taller guy. Then you have Samuel, who I believe is about 5'10", 5'11", who seems to be their red zone guy. And then DJ Moore is about six feet. Then we all know Christian McCaffrey. So it's like he's going to have to break these big plays, and it's not like he's doing it every other game. It's three times in two years. And another big thing with Robbie Anderson, and we kind of touched on this, and I understand it's not necessarily Matt Rule's offense, but Anderson was with Rule in college, and in 24 games with Matt Rule, he had 113 catches, 1,700 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Now, those college stats aren't going to directly come to the NFL, but I feel like there's going to be an affinity there. And I feel like Anderson, we've been trying to make this guy a thing for two to three years. He could be a big post-hype sleeper this year where he's going to be someone who, I mean, he's falling to wide receiver 56 in drafts. He's basically a lottery ticket free at this point. And he could be a guy that comes in there and finally steps into that wide receiver role wide receiver one role we've been waiting for. I don't see it out of Robbie Anderson personally. I just he he's shown he's shown speed and that's it. He can't, to me he's a one trick pony and that one trick isn't even that good. So he <laughs> like I don't know I don't see it out of him. I I really don't. But one thing I want to bring up before we move on to Arizona is I have well we guys are talking back and forth. I thought of another Carolina receiver back in the late uh, 1990s, early 2000s, and throughout the 2000s, actually. Can anyone guess the guy I'm thinking of? Steve Muhammad, right? Musa Muhammad. Muhammad. Steve Smith was also another one, but Musa Muhammad. So I thought of Musa Muhammad because I thought, you know, just in my head, I'm like, okay, they were kind of probably the same build, and Muhammad was taller, but they weighed the same. Muhammad was 6'2", Moore's 5'11", they were both 215". So something I wanted to look at was what was Musa Muhammad's fantasy stats or what did it look like in terms of fantasy football? Because when I mean when you look at DJ Moore, his ADP is wide receiver nine right now. Was Musa Muhammad's ADP ever wide receiver nine? Like not even close. Maybe the year that he had sixteen touchdowns and fourteen hundred yards. The year after that, probably. Yeah. The, the year after, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like the year after I bet that, it was probably. High in his friends and family league. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But it's it's like you look at it, it's like I don't really think anybody was rushing to get Musha Muhammad, and you look at it. So both of them going into year three, right? So uh, in Muhammad's year three, when he finally played a full 16 games, he ended up finishing in fantasy as wide receiver 21. DJ Moore last year finished as wide receiver 16. You're telling me the year after that Musa Muhammad was was going to be ADP wide receiver nine? I, to me, I just don't see it. And it's like, okay, is DJ Moore going to finish probably as a top 20, top 24 wide receiver? Yes, but I'm not taking him in the second round or third round. I feel like that's a, that's a lot hinging on a guy with a brand new coach and a brand new quarterback and not even being the number one option in your offense. That's yeah, we've lot. seen these college coordinator offenses that come into the league that they seemingly start slow and then sort of pick up momentum. You know, we saw it with Chip Kelly when he came over, even last year with Cliff Kingsbury. That offense was 
difficult to watch in some instances very early on where they wouldn't even get going until the second half. Yes, Joe Brady has been in the NFL. He was with the Saints as a passing game coordinator, but he's never had to call plays. Now he's doing that in the NFL. I think you're going to see an adjustment period. And again, that will hamper some of these guys, especially for someone like DJ Moore who needs to rely on the yards after the catch. And we saw his yak decrease quite a bit from 2018 to 2019, 7.7 yards after the catch per reception down to 4.4, which really is more of the league average. Yeah. All right. So moving on now into the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the presumable and what many people believe is going to be the MVP in Kyler Murray, which is a, to me, a bold stretch. Just thinking that everybody wants the next Lamar Jackson. Let's be real. Yeah. Do, do they mm. though? Because Lamar <laughs> lost in the first round of the playoffs. That's like saying, I want the next Sean McVay and then getting spanked in the Super Bowl. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'd rather have the next Patrick Mahomes. I swear, every podcast you find a way to bring up the Rams and McVay and yes. Goff or something. Josh, Josh, <laughs> I can't stand the people that say, "Oh, I want the next Sean McVay." Oh, I want the next Lamar Jackson. No, you don't. They haven't won anything. They have won nothing. I want, Josh. You said it. I want the next Doug Peterson. I want the next. Uh, who did I say? Patrick Mahomes. I want the next. Christian McCaffrey, because these guys are setting records in winning stuff. What has Lamar Jackson what done? Is, what has McCaffrey won, by the uh, way? McCaffrey, yeah, just that listen, listen, listen. McCaffrey <laughs> has won the hearts of America, okay? No, okay. <laughs> Why, because he's a white guy playing a running back? Is no, that it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because he went back-to-back seasons of 100. He broke his own receiving re- re- uh, record. Holy crap, that's a lot of R's. Um, it's early, man. It's early. Listen, I love McCaffrey, but like, I just, I don't get the whole, if Lamar wins a Super Bowl, fine. I have said from the beginning, no running quarterback. He's only entering year three. Give him some time. Josh, Josh, no run first quarterback will ever win a Super Bowl. No run first quarterback will ever win a Super Bowl. I hate to break up this beautiful argument, but when Josh said everyone wants the next Lamar, I think he meant in fantasy, and you can't yeah. convince me. <laughs> That's That's I took it to okay, <laughs> listen. Fantasy. Listen, yes, I will agree with that, but I said Kyler Murray MVP, and then he said we want mm, the next Lamar. I mean, Lamar won, won the MVP. MVP last year. So. <laughs> he won the MVP and then lost to the Tennessee Titans. They oh. got hot at the right time. Did they? Your Patriots <laughs> lost to freaking Eli Manning twice. Like, listen, listen, Josh. Lightning strikes every once in a while. Josh, dude. that's not the conversation, okay? <laughs> that's not the conversation. <laughs> the conversation is that the explosive offense of the Baltimore Ravens lost to Ryan effing Tannehill in the sorry and- excuse of a football team in Nashville. <laughs> That's who they lost to. I mean, that I won't argue with. The Titans really are not a good team. There we go. That's, okay. That's, Arizona yeah. Cardinals. We can agree there. Upside. Josh, you have Christian Kirk. Ryan, you have future MVP and uh, love of America, Kyler Murray. Yep. Downside. Uh, Josh, you have Kenyon Drake. Ryan, you have all wide receivers, but for argument, but I'll, DeAndre I'll, I'll Hopkins. I'll say Hopkins for argument's sake. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Josh, your trust fall is DeAndre Hopkins. And Ryan, your running back is Kenyon Drake. So that's ass backwards for the both of you Uh, rookie to watch (laughs) Eno Benjamin for the both of you the running back out of Arizona State Uh, my sleeper I have Larry Fitzgerald and it's weird to say that out loud IDP I have Isaiah Simmons guy we want to focus on today 
for this team is Kenyon Drake. So we know what Drake did after he was traded from Miami to Arizona, showed out, I believe he had multiple four-touchdown games. Um, he had one multiple four. He had one four-touchdown game, and then four straight games where he scored zero touchdowns. I thought he had another four touchdown game. He had, he had seven in the last three. Yeah, and okay. again, four of those came in one game. Hey, listen, he's he's a big burst kind of guy. But the <laughs> thing is, you know the, the oh god, well, you know the skill he's gonna bring, but he's a big. It's a big hit or miss, and I don't know if that's just Cliff Kingsbury's offense and how he runs his team, or if that's Kenyon Drake. Because to me, it felt like a lot of last year was Arizona was either full speed ahead or stopped at a red light for the full 60 minutes of the game. So I don't really know what Arizona we will see this year, and we'll start with someone different. So we'll start with Ryan this time. Ryan, you have your trust fall as Kenyon Drake. So why do you like Drake going into the season? I just feel like volume is king. Um, He's going to have every chance to log 350 touches this year. Um, While I don't hate Chase Edmonds or Eno Benjamin, I don't see them getting a ton of work. Um, Drake had 633 rushing yards in the eight games he played with Arizona last year, plus another 171 receiving. That translates out to a 1,500 total yard season. He's going to be a top 10 back if he puts those numbers up. And you guys brought up, you know, he had the big four touchdown game. Let's not forget Chase Edmonds had a three-touchdown game. So you brought up a really good point. Is this the product of Kingsbury's offense? If Drake's the guy, that means there are multiple, multiple touchdown games that he could have throughout the season. It's going to come in spurts, but I feel like his yardage is always going to be there. Um, And honestly, my favorite part about Drake is as of this second, unless they get a deal done, he's playing on a one-year deal. He still has to prove it again this year this might be the most important year of his life and for somebody who's going to get that many touches I feel like this could be an electric year for him I'll take him anywhere I can get him I I do want to bring up that Chase Edmonds three touchdown game was in the rain against the Giants so I don't really know if that's impressive I just I just want to bring that up is that he ran for three touchdowns in the rain against the Giants that's all that's that's just that's (laughs) what I wanted to bring up is that he ra- he ran against a peewee football team in weather where you have to run the football. So that's what Chase Edmonds did. I-, I agree with you, Ryan. I don't think Chase Edmonds is a threat whatsoever. I think Eno Benjamin's more of a threat potentially in the passing game. He was a seventh-round pick. Hey, Let's be hey, real here. He was a seventh-round pick who people had graded as a third-round pick. I don't know why he fell that far, but Eno Benjamin has skill. He has skill. Clearly, kinda, he has skill. So this kind of screams to me the argument we had last week, where it was Edmonds. Or Edmonds and Benjamin kind of translates to Justin Jackson versus Josh Kelly. So yeah. I think Edmonds is going to get first crack at it, but Benjamin ends up with the job again. Sure. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I agree there. Um, all right, Josh, we'll we'll go to your side now, and then we'll rope in. Actually, Aaron, where do you stand on the side of Kenyon Drake? Yay or nay for twenty twenty? So. If I was going through this outline you guys have, I would would have put him as my upside guy. Ooh. So just because I can see a big range of outcomes, I could see him being a top 10 running back, maybe getting up in running back six or seven overall if things fall correctly. You know, he does have that that burst, but I think he would do it kind of in like the, the Aaron Jones fashion. You know, he finished as a top three running back last year on all, you know, 
boom or bust performances. He wasn't super consistent. Um, the thing that worries me about him is that we still, you know, we've seen him in the Arizona offense for uh, half a year. Uh, one year ago at this time, people were, were kind of saying like, hey, Arizona wants to run the ball, you know, or not run the ball, run ridiculous 80 plays a game, which is, you know, not quite possible. But if they're, try- if they're getting more efficient and they're running plays, they do run them quickly. They just don't run enough of them. So if they start having to actually get a little bit more of a committee, maybe Chase Edmonds does uh, get his 10 carries a game. Maybe Eno Benjamin does get his, his packages. So I can see it both ways, honestly. I would draft him. You know, if he starts falling down into the past the 10th, 11th, 12th running back, I would definitely take that shot because of the upside. But I wouldn't feel safe about it. Well, see, and that's kind of my my stance on this. I, and, and I will start by saying I'm one of the biggest Kenyon Drake fans. I've been beating the drum for him to finally get a feature role, and he has it. But as a result, his ADP has climbed so high that he's no longer a value. Like, when he was going as, like, a RB, like, 24, I will – smash that draft pick button so fast because I know I can get top 15 value right now. He's going as RB 10. And just like you said, Aaron, there's a wide range of outcomes. Could he be a top five running back? Absolutely. And it could very well just be because of touchdowns last year. When you, if you were to extrapolate what he did in those last eight games, he was on pace for 300, just over 300 touches. That's what I want from an RB one. I want that. But we also saw other running backs do very well for Kingsbury in the system. David Johnson was a top six guy the first half of the year. Chase Edmonds comes in the one game he starts, three touchdowns. Kenyon Drake has three top two performances. And then the consistency just is very up and down. If I'm relying on a guy that's going to be my RB1, I want a certain level of consistency. They need to put up top 24 or better numbers at or most of the season. And if you're, again, if you're taking that over a full scope, that's going to be four or five weeks where he's not even flex worthy. And that's worrisome if I'm relying on him as my number one guy. So I like to play the who would you rather game. Ryan and Josh, I think you guys. I'm glad you brought it up because I was very tempted to do that. Yes. Uh, I love the who would you rather game. All right. I didn't want to steal your thunder, though. No, I absolutely love this game. All right, Aaron. So what I like to do, and for those new to the show, so we look at the ADP of the guy in question and kind of gauge about three to four guys that are taken ahead of him and then five guys taken after him to say, who would you rather have on your team? And in this case, who would you rather have as your RB1 is really the question because that's where these guys are being drafted. Kenyon Drake being uh, RB10 right now, some of these guys are also being drafted potentially as an RB2 for some people. So we'll keep that in mind as well. So his, his ADP is 10. We'll start at number 7. Would you rather have uh, Joe Mixon or Kenyon Drake? We'll start with Aaron. I, I would take Mixon just because I feel it's safer for sure. Josh. Uh, Mixon. Ryan. Mixon. Consensus. Fantastic. Okay, Nick Chubb or Kenyon Drake? Aaron, back to you. I'm pretty big on Chubb this year. I, I would go Chubb. Uh, not as confident, but give me Chubb over over Drake. Josh. Standard Chubb all day, but PPR, I would lean slightly to Drake. That's Kareem fair. Hunt really is. He's a real thing. That's fair. Ryan. Chubb. 
Okay. Ch- chub all the way around unless in a PPR. Uh, Josh Jacobs, RB9 or Kenyon Drake? Aaron. I would go Drake on that one. Josh. Drake. Ryan. It's funny because I'm the pro Drake guy, but I'd go Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> I would also go Jacobs in that instance. I just think. He's chub light to me. He's going to get a lot of yards. He'll get the touchdowns, but he's going to be damn near shut out when it comes to receiving. When you look at them re-signing Jalen Richard and drafting Lynn Bowden. I have no idea what those offensive weapons are going to look like this year. That's (laughs) true. No, that's true. Uh, All right, so Kenyon Drake, I said, is 10 at 11. Austin Eckler or Kenyon Drake? Aaron. Drake. Josh. Eckler. He'll be a top five running back by years. Hmm. Ryan. This is killing me. Eckler. You're going to pick every running back that I have. Um, I would also also pick Eckler just because I think – he, he's going to have way more opportunity. I, I still think Drake is going to be mixed in more with his counterparts than Austin Eckler. That's just my opinion. Uh, Miles Sanders at RB12 or Kenyon Drake? Aaron. Uh, give me Sanders there. I think he's going to have a huge year. Okay, Josh, you're Miles Sanders. You got your pants <laughs> down for Miles Sanders. Uh, and Ryan. I was like, you don't even need to ask me. Yeah, I'll just fill in the blank. Ryan. Definitely Sanders. Okay. Uh, Aaron Jones at 13 or Kenyon Drake, uh, to Aaron. <laughs> this one is, is tough for me. Um, because of, but I, I, I can't see Jones repeating that when he did last year. So I give me, give me Drake. Josh. This one's close to me. Like I kind of have them in the same range ish, but I would lean Jones. Ryan. Looking at the rankings I sent Josh earlier this week, I would go Jones. So. Wow. Ryan, this is tough for you right here. It this is. is I didn't realize. <laughs> Maybe um, I don't love him. <laughs> so I, I think, Aaron, you're right when in saying, like, there's no way he repeats his touchdown numbers from last year. Yep. And his, his whole fantasy premise solely relied on those touchdowns. Still averaged over five yards a carry. No, it, it's, I just, it's not like he wasn't efficient, but, oh, like, 16 touchdowns so much of that i mean even if you cut that in half he was still gonna be like rb8 or rb9 last year sure no i i don't disagree and i don't think his overall production is is gonna take such a hit just because aj dylan's there sure dylan's gonna be your short yardage guy i would be very surprised if dylan averages more than four yards a carry they still want to play Jamal Williams, it seems like. like when he's in the And that's game, the other thing. He's yeah. going to be there receiving back, I think. I think that's and the thing is he's going to come in passing downs. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing up here, up there. I'm, I'm in Wisconsin, so it's oh. kind of. <laughs> Are you a Packers fan? I am, yeah. Oh, it's, my uh, condolences to the tight end that they drafted for some it's, stupid you know, reason. It's, it's a weird place to be. It's like, yeah, we NFC Championship game. That was a good season. And then the worst draft in NFL history. So we got that going <laughs> for us. <laughs> I, I think I, I think if you want, I think they end in the same area. Josh, like you said, it's very close. But I feel if you want more consistency, you may lean towards Aaron Jones. But big play games and like more of a Deshaun Jackson type feel, I think you lean Kenyon Drake. But I don't I don't even think the consistency is as on par as people think. Like Aaron Jones had some flat outs stinkers last year mm-hmm. he, he did but i feel he was more consistent game i mean in, just game in my projection then. rankings i have jones at 10 and drake at 11 so well, neck so neck. yeah all right well there we go all right two more guys 
This one, uh, this pains me that he's drafted this high. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh, Jesus. At 14. Or Kenyon Drake. Aaron. Uh, Drake. Josh. Drake. Ryan. Drake. Thank God. None I mean, don't get me wrong. I see the potential with CEH, but Damian Williams is still a thing. That none of you would have ever been on the show again if you said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That was, <laughs> that's, that's absurd that he's being taken RB14. He can't block. He cannot well, it, block. Yeah, his pass blocking is atrocious. Awful. He can't block. So, oh, okay. I, again, he'll be a good player, but he can't block, and that's going to hinder his time on the field. The fact that he's being taken over – like, he's being taken a full – like two and a half rounds before Jonathan Taylor. Are you out of your freaking minds, people? That might get worse as the summer goes on. I know. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, because we're just <laughs> in the oh, beginning. Well, just look at the Damian Williams hype over the last two years. Listen, How that's gotten hell out of control. Listen, at least Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can actually play football. Damian Williams can't. That's that's the difference. Is Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Hilaire has skill. Damian Williams can just run straight. So... Uh, unless there's blocking for Damian Williams, he doesn't do much. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually has a nasty spin move. At 15, last guy, and I think this is really interesting because some people aren't very big on him this year. RB15 being taken in like the mid-third round. Leonard Fournette or Kenyon Drake? Aaron. Drake. Josh. Yeah, I would take Drake. I think Fournette's due for just a lot of regression in the passing game, even Big though time. I think, yeah, I, I think the TDs will bump back up to at least respectable, but I mean, even in my projection rankings, I was a lot lower on them than I thought it, that I would be. Ryan. Drake. That was a very long pause. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you say my name the first time. I must have blanked out. Easy answer. <laughs> there we go. All right. So yeah, I, I would also go Drake. I, I don't really know what the hell is happening in Jacksonville right now uh, as we actually transition into the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. So uh, look at that. Didn't even realize I was transitioning. But I I don't really know. The only guy I want on my team is Gardner Minshew, and that's solely for team morale. I don't care about his <laughs> skill. Whenever we hold team meetings every week before you know the Thursday night games to get everyone pumped up, I want Gardner Minshew in the room wearing his jorts and his American flag bandana, smoking a cigar. Because I know when he walks in the room, everyone's going to smile. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of Gardner Minshew, Josh, you have him as your upside. Ryan, you have D.D. Westbrook as your upside. Downside, Josh, you have Fournette, the aforementioned Leonard Fournette. Ryan, you have D.J. Chark. Opposite, Josh, you have D.J. Chark as your trust fall. Ryan, you have Leonard Fournette as your trust fall. Wow, this is way better than last week when you guys agreed on literally everything. Uh, rookie to watch, LaVisca Chenault, the wide receiver out of Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh -huh. yep. And sleeper, Chris Thompson, the running back coming over from Washington. Guys, it was slim pickings at sleeper. Okay, it was real slim pickings at sleeper. And IDP, I have linebacker, Miles Jack. I think he makes a uh, bounce back this year after being you know, on and off injuries last year. I think he missed five total games. So, guy we want to focus on is DJ Chark. We talked a little bit about Fournette, kind of gave you a little preview there. Uh, if you want more information, follow Club Fantasy, at Club Fantasy FFL. It's all on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find all the stuff there. But looking at DJ Chark specifically, rookie year wasn't so hot. 
this past year, when Gardner Minshew came in, it, it was like it was like a whole new life for DJ Chark. Chark went off last year, ended up as the uh, number 17 receiver in PPR, ended up with uh, just about 220 points. Uh, he absolutely killed it in his sophomore season. Josh, you have him as your trust fall. Do you really think he can repeat what he did last year? I do. I, I really do. I mean, just with Minshew alone, he had 93 targets, 58 catches, 824 yards, five touchdowns. That basically works out to a 62.4% catch percentage, uh, just south of a 20% target share and over 14 yards per reception. Um his current ADP is wide receiver 24. So there's a good chance that because of the negative stigma around the Jaguars, you can get shark as your third wide receiver. So even if you're getting wide receiver two production, that's a value, but this is a guy that again, because of the type of offense they're in, people expect them to be bad that, he can potentially have that sort of like Allen Robinson garbage time type year where he just explodes. And that to me is the difference between shark and DJ Moore, because right now you're paying that premium for DJ Moore, excuse me, for that potential. Whereas with shark, you're not. And that's one of the big reasons why I'm okay. Trusting shark at his current value. But then you look into all the other nuts and bolts, Jay Gruden coming in as a play caller. And, and Aaron, you touched on this on, on the article you wrote for the Ballers uh, about a month ago. You know, yep. Jay Gruden had A.J. Green in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. There was two years, 2012 and 2013, where A.J. Green topped a 30% target share. 30%. Yeah, over nice. 160 <laughs> targets. Just imagine if DJ Shark could do that, he would be a top five wide receiver. Now, I'm not thinking he will. I mean, you look at uh, Jay Gruden in Washington, where they had very average teams. Most of his top targets were around that anywhere between 18 and like 20, 21, 22% target share. I think that is really more realistic. Minshew's going to throw a little bit more than he did last year. I, it could even be more than what I have him projected at, which I think I have him at five, 537 pass attempts. Jay Gruden, even when they're losing, they're going to run the football. It's just for whatever reason that's ingrained in his DNA. I have Shark at 113 targets and 1,002 yards on 72 uh, receptions. Excuse me. So, I mean, coming in right around that 226 fantasy points, which I don't think is too far off of last year. But again, if they're going to be behind because their defense has been just shredded and traded away and they're a shell of what they were a couple of years ago, they're going to need to throw the keep up. And Minshew has not been shy about throwing the football. So I could very, you know, I could see a scenario where Minshew throws over 600 times. And if that's the case, Shark is going to have over 130 targets, which again, targets, opportunity, opportunity leads to fantasy points in production. So. So I, I'll turn it over to Ryan here because, Ryan, you have him as your downside. Again, his ADP currently wide receiver 24 going 60th overall, which puts him 
basically is the first pick in the seventh round. Ryan, do you not like that value, or are you just not high on the Jaguars as a team this year in fantasy? I'm, a I'm actually glad you brought up that he's going 60th because over the last five games last year, which were all with Minshew, he was the wide receiver 60 in fantasy football. Um, I feel like we're drafting him at his ceiling, so there's no way I could call him an upside. I don't feel like you're going to get any more than what you're drafting out of him, and there's a very real chance you're going to get less. Um, his yards per reception went up 1.5 yards from his rookie year to this sophomore year, and he still barely cracked 1,000 yards. Any regression would absolutely kill him. And a lot of my downside on him is that I do see D.D. Westbrook as an upside type play. Westbrook had 101 targets last year in what is a disappointing year. All these great things we're saying about Chark, we were saying about Westbrook coming into last year, and he feels like another. That was all because of Nick super. Foles, though. It is because of Nick Foles, but it's still going to be he's he could be the target hog in this offense as easily as Chark could be the target hog. Um, and then you already brought it up, Josh. I you brought up a great point, but I disagree with your your thought on the point. Gruden was bottom five in pass attempts last year. I see them throwing the ball fewer times and. With Minshew, I don't think it's going to hurt him. Minshew was a top five rushing quarterback, and that was missing two games last year. Um, but if the pie gets smaller and Chark doesn't pull in as big of a target share, there's there's no upside. I just I don't see it. I think he's a wide receiver too at best. If I get him where I'm drafting him, I'm okay with it, but I'm not expecting these big weeks. He had nine games last year of 55 or fewer yards. I, I just... I'm not in love with him at all. You mentioned his ceiling. He was wide receiver 18 last year. So I, I think you're still getting him at, at less than what his perceived ceiling would be. So something, to, something to bring up too, just in terms of potential, you know, ch chance for opportunity. He, in five games last year, played less than 75% of the offensive snaps. So, and there's there was only, uh, looking here, there was only four games all year where he played more than 90% of the snaps, only two games where he played 95% of the snaps. So it's like he's never been on the field a lot. So I think that takes a leap, and that could potentially give him more opportunity for targets. I don't know if that sways anybody's mind. So... I'll jump in real quick, if that's all right. Um, Go for it. it. That's why you're on the show, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> yeah. Too, too polite here, I guess. Um, yeah, so Shark, I um, think Josh alluded to it. I, I wrote an article on him, too, about the, the path to being a, a top 12 receiver. And like he, he came out of the gates just on fire last season. I think he was like a top five receiver through the first six or seven weeks. And then, you know, because that first game, Foles got hurt. Minshew came in and was lighting it on fire. And then all of a sudden, the back half, the wheels kind of fell off of uh, of Shark uh, for a couple of reasons. Because that was, you know, Foles came back. He got his job back. He was terrible. Shark suffered because of that. Minshew came back. And then Shark was battling through a, I think it was like a high ankle sprain. I think he missed one game. He probably should have missed more. And I think that kind of speaks to... I'm looking at the snap percentages here that you're talking about. And he was uh, a lot higher at the beginning of the season. And then it just dropped in the second half of the season when he um, just wasn't 
wasn't healthy, you know? So I think, I think he does have that. I mean, he is an athletic freak. Like if you're building a receiver, he's almost as tall as Kenny Galladay. He's almost as fast as Tyreek Hill. He's got that size speed combination that his ceiling is there. And I, I like him where he is right now. I would be super happy to have him as my number two receiver on my team even. Yeah, one of my dynasty leagues, I traded two second-round picks this year just to get him. And I, and I think that's absolutely that's, insane value in a dynasty. Yeah, I would be with you on that one. Well, you turn those into, what, a, a T. Higgins and a, uh, give me a running back. A.J. Dillon went in the second round. Um, depending on how high it was, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Would have went in the I'll second tell you round. exactly who those two picks were. Give me a second. Uh, Keep t- talking. T- I-, I will waste time and talk as long as you need <laughs> me to, Joshua. <laughs> but in a, in a dynasty, I like I like Chark's value in a dynasty, and I, I, like I, I don't. Those two picks turned out to be okay. Zach Moss and T Higgins. I in the long shark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the long I, run, I'd, I'd rather, have, rather have Chark. Unless. Uh, Again. And don't get me wrong, I love T. Higgins, and I think Zach Moss has a lot of potential. But I, with we've already seen Shark put up top-tier numbers. Uh, I'll take what's known versus the unknown and, and what could potentially be. Absolutely. So so here we go. Let's uh, let's just play a would you rather, because we're actually, this is weird to say in the three years, over three years we've been doing this, <laughs> we're – we're quick. Like this is the fastest I think we've gotten through any of these team previews before. So, also, what you're saying is we need to have Aaron on more often. <laughs> I mean, because he keeps us on track. Keeps us on track. I'm just that's all I'm saying. Um, all right. So DJ Chark, wide receiver, 24 right now. So we'll do the three above him and the three below him currently. At 21 is DK Metcalf. Metcalf or Chark, Aaron? Uh, I love DK Metcalf. I, w- I would go Metcalf, barely. <laughs> Josh. I'm going to lean shark only because with Metcalf, you're continuing to pray for high efficiency from Russell Wilson in that offense. And at a certain point, it's just got to fall off. Ryan. I still love Tyler Lockett. So give me shark here. Uh, Chark because he plays in a way crappier division. That's, that's all I think. Um, 22, Stefan Diggs or DJ Chark? Aaron. Chark all day. Josh. Talent, Diggs, situation, Chark. Yep. Ryan. Literally right next to each other in my rankings, but Chark. I I take Diggs. I really think he thrives off Josh Allen's arm. That's that that's why. I had close, but I this take This year I would take Shark because we've seen guys switch teams mid season. Or not midseason, but in the offseason and just struggle. I mean, OBJ is sure. a prime example. Yeah, so I, I think that's where Diggs is, will be at a, a right. disadvantage. Josh, I'm just going to uh, – Odell Beckham went to a team coached by Freddie Kitchens. Oh. Okay, he went to a team coached by Freddie Kitchens. And uh, he, there's something wrong. He still wrong put up 1,000 yards. I mean, that had to have been one of the, the – next to Mike Williams, probably the quietest 1,000-yard season. Yeah, but oh, there's something wrong in Odell's head. Whereas if his brain was right, he might have had 1,500 yards. So it's like, I, I think Diggs' head is screwed on pretty tight, right? He's been putting in work this offseason. I think he's okay. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know. He was starting to go off the deep end. The, at the, the, end there the subtweets there. <laughs> yeah. The subtweets are fun, all right? The subtweets are funny. Uh, but I, I Diggs' slight edge. 
Uh, Tyler Lockett at 23, wide receiver 23, or DJ Chark. Aaron? Uh, I'm going Chark because I think Metcalf becomes their wide receiver one in Seattle. Ooh. Josh? I'm going to lean Shark because I don't think there's a legit number two to bug him the way that Metcalf will bug Lockett and vice versa. Okay. Ryan? Not even close for me. I have Lockett 10 spots ahead of Shark, so Lockett. All right. That's an easy one. Uh, I would... Also, that's why you accepted our, our draft day trade, huh? Oh, that, that's 100%. <laughs> So I I would also I would do Chark, uh, Josh, just because you said you don't think there's a legitimate number two, and, I, and that's not to disrespect D.D. Westbrook because I am a fan of D.D. Westbrook, but, but I don't think DK he has Metcalf. the same type of skill set of either Lockett or Metcalf that can compete with Shark sure. the way that those guys compete against each other for targets. Sure. These next three I'm really interested in. Twenty four is D.J. Chark. Twenty five. Is Devontae Parker, Aaron, Parker, or DJ Chark? Oh, that is tough. I I would go Shark just because I don't know what, you know, if it, it's Tua or Fitzpatrick. If you told me it was Fitzpatrick all year, I would take Parker, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So give me Shark. Josh. Parker. I Man, I can't get off this guy. It's ridiculous. I've been a fan of his since he was drafted, and even through all the disappointment, I can't let go. And he finally put it all together last year, but give me Parker. I think that offense is going to surprise some people. All right. Ryan. Parker. Uh, that was easy. I would also go with Devontae Parker. Uh, Aaron, you bring up a good point of, you know, who's going to be playing quarterback. Personally, I'm not sure if it matters. Um, I would I would rather Fitzpatrick. In uh, it matters if Josh Rosen is the quarterback. Okay, listen, <laughs> listen. I, I do think Tua is going to be just – elite in the NFL, but I don't know if it happens midway through a season. Sure, and yeah, that that's, that's completely fair. fair. I hope they give him the Patrick Mahomes treatment. Just let yeah, him play I, one year, or one, would be good. one game, and that's it. Yeah, he needs to make sure he's healthy. Let him, let him make sure he's 150% healthy. Yep. Uh, 26, T.Y. Hilton or D.J. Chark? Aaron? Definitely Chark. Josh? I, this is a t this, like I said, these next yeah. three are really tough. This one is tough. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll add in mine, I would take T.Y. Hilton. I love T.Y. Hilton. I, I like T.Y., but I think Shark is going to have more opportunity just from a, a target share perspective. I think Rivers will sling it. He's going to throw it well over 600 times. I know we don't know that Minshew will or can or whatever based on the offense. But you look at Paris Campbell there. You look at Michael Pittman there. You look at Naheem Hines. Yeah, Shark not, doesn't have near the competition for targets. None of those names scare me. T.Y. Hilton, he plays Houston twice a year. He goes for 200 yards and 11 touchdowns against Houston every single year. So <laughs> sign me up for 50-plus points every time I he mean, plays doesn't Houston. Shark play Houston twice a year? <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, listen. T.Y. Hilton owns Houston. I don't know if DJ Chark owns Houston. That's the thing is, you look at T.Y. Hilton's stats against the Houston Texans, they're unbelievable. He destroys that team every year. Also, I think he is, like, I've seen him go up against double coverage and beat it with ease. So I'm a huge fan of T.Y. Hilton. Ryan, T.Y. Hilton or Chark? I'd actually go Chark. All right. I think I'm in the minority here, but that's okay. 
uh, in the last no, I, one. From a talent perspective, I would take Hilton 10 times out of 10, but uh, the injuries last year, that does worry me up there in age. Sure. That's where I think, you know, the disconnect and the struggle comes in. Sure. And uh, again, a lot of these guys you're getting at, you know, you're, if you, if you're waiting on receivers, your wide receiver two, or if you're planning on stacking on receivers or, you know, taking three in the first six rounds or so, you're going to get these guys. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's a good chance you could end up with both Shark and Hilton as your oh, two yeah, and three. And, Easy. and I think that's a great stack. Yeah. So the last guy here before we move on, DJ Shark, wide receiver 24, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 27. Aaron. That is also tough for me, but I, I'm going to lean Shark again. Just I'm going to give uh, Minshew the bump over Haskins on that one. Okay. Uh, Josh. I'll talent. I'll take McLaurin all day, but I, I just think Shark has more opportunity because he has a better quarterback. Ryan, McLaurin. Yeah, I knew that one was coming. Well, we knew we, we had to know that. Um, I also pick McLaurin. I have Dwayne Haskins as a sleeper this year in fantasy football. If you're in a dynasty league, go and find this guy. I don't know if he's going to be you know a great quarterback for like six straight years or something like that. But I have a weird feeling he's going to turn into like a Cam Newton type player fantasy wise, not in terms of like, you know, he's going to start running the football all over the place, but I feel in terms of numbers and progression of skill, I saw him get progressively better throughout the season last year. Now he's had a full off season uh, and a full season in that uh, in that system, although Ron Rivera is now you know in uh, doing a new system, but I think having Ron Rivera in there only makes it better for Dwayne Haskins. So I love Terry oh, McLaurin. North Turner too. I think he's yes pretty good offensive play caller. <laughs> North Turner is a terrible head coach, but he's a, a incredible offensive coordinator. So it, it did turn North Turner because I know Scott Turner went up. Yeah, there. North did not come. But you're looking at yep. the exact same offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yep. family genes. Like father, like son. So. Yep. That's, we're fine. Uh, I I love McLaurin this year. I mean, you talk about competition. Who who the hell are they going to throw to in that offense? Nobody. Like, there's literally no one outside of Terry McLaurin in that <laughs> offense. But besides my boy. Hold Trent, on. Now I also love in, I say I also love Antonio Gandy Golden. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Uh, my boy Trey Quinn out of SMU. All right. I I don't want to shame yes. Trey Quinn. Uh, but legitimately, there's nobody else in that offense. There's not even yeah, a running back right. because Darius Geis is going to go on IR week two of the preseason. Adrian Peterson's 36. Uh, Peyton Barber is going to get cut. JD hey, they McKissick's got the next McCaffrey there. Come on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like ugh. everybody's got the next McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, literally. But I, I would, I would go McLaurin. I, I think they, they bring, they each bring their own same. I, like, I don't know. Cause that's why I said these last three guys we were going to talk about are so damn close that it's it's almost just personal preference. Like, do you have a personal vendetta against Ryan Fitzpatrick or Philip Rivers, and you want to take DJ Chark? Like, it's like it's it that that's what it almost comes down to at this point. I think McLaurin plays better and has better skill, so I'll take that guy. Now, something I I want to bring up because I actually heard this on. 
uh, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas yesterday, I think. And I thought this was interesting. So end the show on this because we have some time. So they were talking about, you know, building up your team. How should you build up your team specifically? You know, should you uh, build it up from quarterback and then start in the offensive line? Or should you build it up with skilled players? Or do you start, you know, in the secondary or on the D line, et cetera? They focused on receivers and cornerbacks. So they brought up some statistics of, you know, what happens in terms of fall off from wide receiver one to wide receiver two and then to wide receiver three. The fall off from wide receiver one to wide receiver two in major categories like yards per catch, yards per target, um, different stuff like that isn't too drastic. It's like less than a yard for most of the categories. But when it drops to wide receiver two to wide receiver three, it is an over like over a yard or over a yard and a half drop in a lot of those categories, which is a lot. And what the argument was, or what the question that was posed was, would you rather build your team around three high-level wide receivers or three high-level defensive backs? Because the drop-off from wide receiver three to wide receiver four is even more drastic in terms of yards, per t- like I said, those major categories. So I'm interested to hear everyone's point of view. Josh, we'll start with you. Would you rather build your team around three high-quality wide receivers running two, uh, two spread out wide and one in the slot or three high-quality cornerbacks, two spread outside, one in the slot? If this were 15 years ago, I wouldn't have even hesitated and I would have said the cornerback position. But because of the way that the rules are now, give me the wide receivers all day because you can combat a bad to mediocre secondary with an elite pass rush. And you can't say the same thing about a receiving core. Okay. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. I, I think I would go with the receivers. Um, the way you, you can scheme so much on offense. So you can move those guys around and do a lot of different things where I get it on defense to your, moving guys around but if you have three elite corners let's say or your safeties or whatever if the offense rolls out there with 12 personnel and a fullback or something two of those dbs are off the field you're not keeping those guys out there at that point and um you know there i think the, it's definitely a passing league but we saw i know they didn't win the super bowl but we saw things that the ravens and the 49ers could do with a run game the titans even um you know they won playoff games in a non high powered passing offense type of way. So I think that and it kind of sort of goes against my point, I guess, <laughs> but I think but at the same token, you can have a very effective running game with three wide receivers on the field. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yes. I mean, that's just, run. that's 11 personnel. That's all that is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ryan to you in, in a bubble. It's the wide receivers just for all the reasons that have already been mentioned. It's just wide receivers have such an advantage over corners. They get away with more, they know what they're doing. The corners don't know what they're doing, what the they, the wide receiver is doing. I In a bubble, it's definitely wide receivers, but you brought up, and I know this is off topic, I would go O-line all day. Cleveland proved last year that if you have a crap O-line, it doesn't matter what you have at the skill position. Yep. It's, it's not going to help you build your team. But in a bubble, just these two positions, wide receiver. I actually I'll say this really quick. We're, we're going to see, we're, we're going to have this theory tested. Because you look at the top three wide receivers in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the top three corners with the Chargers. Yeah. Casey Hayward, 
uh, free agent Chris Harris signed there and then Desmond King in the slot. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Chris Harris is old, so... He's still effective. He's effective in the slot, which is where Desmond King plays, so... I'm I'm a little weary there, but no, you're. I mean, Chris Chris Harrison his heyday was the best defensive back in the NFL. Um, so I, I mean, you, you bring up a good point, but the reason that was brought up on Cowboys Radio was for that sole reason of, uh, yeah. you know, there's Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Ceedee Lamb. What happens if they shut basically those top three guys down and it falls to Devin Smith? It's like that's a huge drop. No, it'll fall to Blake Jarwin and Ezekiel Elliott. Let's be real. Collard in the slot. No, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but I mean, just again, we'll we'll get to the Cowboys when we get to the Cowboys preview. But legitimately, and sorry, Josh, because they play in the Eagles division. But if the Cowboys don't we have, have a good pass rush, I'm not that worried about it. Uh, listen, if the if the Cowboys <laughs> don't have the number one offense this year. I mean, Mike they had McCarthy the one offense last year. Uh, but here's the repeat, you need to repeat as you need to blow your stats you did last year out of the water. Like you have three capable 1000-yard receivers on your team and a guy who can easily rush for 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns. You you should blow your stats last year out of the water. Sign me up for every Cowboys player this year minus Amari Cooper cuz I think his ego is crap so I, I was, if they move cooper to the slot he'll be a top five fantasy wide receiver this year and i still won't draft him <laughs> and i still won't draft him you you will never see me drafting julio jones or amari cooper you will never see me doing that and i love that aaron brought up you look at guys when we're talking dj Moore. you look at guys that take a long time to get touchdowns and he brought up julio jones and i would i wanted to stand up and clap for him because <laughs> julio jones pissed me off the one year I drafted him because he would go for 50 points and then seven. Why? But every year he ends up as a top 10 wide receiver. But he's just, he. when you need him the most, he doesn't show up. That's what I don't like about Julio Jones. He's the best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. He's not the best fantasy football receiver. That's well, at this point, I think the best fantasy football wide receiver is Michael Thomas, but... I I mean I don't really <laughs> I don't think, think there's that's much of an I don't argument. think there's much of an argument there. <laughs> but I mean you go back to two or three years ago when people are drafting Julio at the end of the first round. Like why 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 were you doing that? That's just that's stupid. Don't do that. There's he's good, still got to be pretty high right now, isn't he? He's currently Julio's ADP oh right God. now is five. He's five, and Why he's currently five? the second pick overall in the uh, in the second round. Yeah. So I, I mean it's still high. Like, it goes Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones. Then it's Chris Godwin's, uh, Chris Godwin, excuse me, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, DJ Moore, OBJ. I, I'm sorry, I don't want half of those guys that are in the top five on my team. I don't. Tyreek Hill, personal reasons, I think he's an absolute dink and shouldn't be in the NFL. Um... I would, I would like Michael Thomas. I think DeAndre Hopkins has a good year. Devontae Adams, I've been a day one Devontae Adams fan. Don't like Hill, don't like Jones, love Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is not going to have a good year because of Tom Brady. Not to say Tom Brady's washed up. He's just never been able to throw the deep ball. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I love. Don't want DJ Moore, don't want Odell Beckham. I'm split on half of those top ten. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I just sit there and say, 
I'd rather like wait and like take these guys that are sitting in the twenties, like a Robert Woods, a uh, Tyler Lockett, a Devontae Parker, a Terry McLaurin, um, uh, Michael. There's so Gallup. many guys. This like year. there's so it's many. It's crazy. There's a lot of mid round receivers that I, I that could feel like off. have the the potential to be yeah you know top twelve, top twenty, top yeah. twenty four guys that are going later. Like so many. Then you look at the top ten running backs: McCaffrey, Barkley, Dalvin Cook. Elliot, Kamara, Henry, Mixon, Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. I'd want any of those guys on my team. Like, I have no issue taking any of those guys. But then you go down to, like, the 20s, and you're looking at James Conner, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, uh, Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt. Like, you're looking at split backfields. So it's like, stack up on your running backs, people. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you, but the, the the problem is though is when everybody has that mentality, you're left with the best wide receivers on the board. So you have you ultimately have to pivot your draft strategy. Uh, sure, sure. And I'd like uh, my my philosophy going in is every if I'm in the top seven picks in the first round, I am almost always taking a running back. But if you're in the like if you're in the back three picks of the first round, you may be able to pivot, take a receiver, and then take a running back in the beginning of the second. But I just I sit there every year and I say I look at the top ten running backs and I say okay, I'm happy with all those guys. Then you look at the next five and you're like okay, maybe there's some I don't want. And then you get to 19 and Chris Carson sitting there with his fumble issues and you're like what the hell? Like Chris Carson's being taken in the fourth round, and then you have guys like Devonte Parker being taken in the seventh. Like, how does yeah. that happen? So it's like, yes, Josh, you're right. You don't want to go in with the strict, okay, round one, I'm taking a running back. Round two, I'm taking a wide receiver. Round seven, I'm taking a quarterback. Like, you don't want to go in with that strategy. You want to adjust and pivot and say, okay, if this guy's here, I'm going to take him. But I just sit there, and I, I can't wrap my head around the people that prioritize receiver over running back just for the sole reason of running back falls off a cliff. When it comes to guys that when you hit like the fifth round, you you're looking at guys that are either in split backfields or second guys on their team, or they're just a bad running back. So I I never understood the mentality of let's go and stack up on wide receiver because there's so many mid round and even guys in like the double digit rounds. Josh, you're huge on Deontay Johnson. He's not yeah. going to like the tenth or eleventh round. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you have those guys that are going so late that you know are going to make a splash on your team. I will say this, and Ryan, Aaron, feel free to jump in and, and throw your opinions on this, but because of the sheer depth at wide receiver, this might be one of those years where if you want to basically box everyone out at tight end and take the best available, do it because you're going to get such good value at wide receiver later. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Just looking at what I have projected out here, like you can get so many some running backs. Like you said, they drop off after that ten or twelve. Yeah, receivers. I looked down at my uh, projected wide receiver twenty-five is uh, only like a twenty-point difference to my wide receiver twelve. You know, it's like there's so many guys packing that range. Mm-hmm. But you even you go down, go down like way further just looking at ADPs right now on on fantasy pros sure S- sitting in the 50s or even let's we'll start in the 40s cuz that's when you start getting into the double digit rounds in your draft Darius Slayton Deontay Johnson Jalen Rager 
Marvin Jones, Emmanuel Sanders. You get into the 50s, Jamison Crowder, uh, Robbie Anderson, who we talked about today, Golden Tate. You get down into the wide receiver 60s. You're looking at Brashad Perryman, who's now the wide receiver two in New York. Uh, Curtis Samuel, Hunter Renfro, Alan Lazard, who is criminally underrated this year. 69 is Paris Campbell. You get into the 70s. You're looking at uh, D.D. Westbrook is still there. And then James Washington is still there, a guy who's flying very under the radar mm-hmm. this year. So you're looking at guys, Kenny Stills, who's technically the wide receiver too in Houston right now. So you're looking at these guys that are going so late, and you get so and don't forget, much value. Th- this would be the year that Corey Davis goes off with his ADP mm-hmm. at, at wide receiver 78. <laughs> oh, of course. It's fifth year, right? Fifth year breakout? <laughs> yeah. so, so you're telling me if, oh, fourth year. Fourth fourth year. Okay. If, if you're sitting there in like a 14-team league and you know, you're know you going through and you're sitting there in the 15th round and you see Corey Davis on the board with guys like Devin Funchess, uh, Muhammad Sanu, Zach Paschal, and you see Corey Davis there who you know – is a wide receiver two and a guy who was drafted to be a wide receiver one in his offense. Are you not like kind of giddy that Corey Davis is sitting there? In the I don't think anybody round? is kind of giddy uh, over any listen, prospect of Corey Davis. Right listen, now. I got Corey Davis in like round 24 of a dynasty startup earlier. I was like, this has to be 21 rounds different than it was two years ago. Right? <laughs> well, Josh, when, now, when we did our original Dynasty draft, you took Corey Oh, that was Davis. his rookie year, and I took him in the third round. Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. took him in the third round. So it's just it's Yeah, I've crazy. traded him and then reacquired him over the last four years. So One really good point you brought up, Joe, that I want to hit on, though, is this year I feel like more than any year your slotting in the draft is going to be so important. Yes. Especially when you're looking at the first three to four rounds. And that's why I encourage people. I mean, right now it's fun, but in August, it's just become so necessary. Do mock drafts and do a ton of them from different positions yep. to get an idea of what you're going to be looking at. Because hey, did, did you look at the writer's doc? What's going on here? <laughs> I've got that one queued up coming pretty soon yes, here. Yes, absolutely. There you go. <laughs> um, and it's so important right now because, and we kind of talked about this on um, – or maybe it was, I, I don't remember, but it's, you get to that position where right around the fifth, sixth pick where it's, do you want to drop down to that next tier of running backs or do you want to start grabbing your wide receivers? And then when you're at the turn, knowing how far away your next picks are, you know, that running back drops off is going to happen. So you need to take these second tier running backs, even though you might be looking at these first tier wide receivers there, but you have to know that your next picks are so far away that you're going to be able to get wide receivers like DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin with those next two picks. You're not going to be able to get a running back that matters with those third and fourth if you're picking at the the end of a round. So please mock draft and please move yourself around to know how it's going to feel when you're in those slots. And since we're talking about like draft strategies and stuff, um, Ryan, I want to give you a shout out because you just dropped this article on the ballers, but late round lottery tickets, absolutely read it because I've never read truer words. Thank you. Also, also, don't take the full sixty or ninety seconds to make your freaking <laughs> pick. Like if, it, especially in the first round, okay? Don't don't take your full sixty ninety seconds. All right, you should have five guys queued up in order of how you would like them picked. If your first four guys go, you take number five because that's the position you want. That's the guy you want. Please have like twenty five players in your queue. Just I I don't want to sit there. For an hour and a half, well, 
Johnny Appleseed takes 90 seconds <laughs> to draft freaking Leonard Fournette in the third round. I love round. that you get to draft with these fictitious characters. Yeah. I want to be in your league, man. Oh, my God. It's like I, I, love, I, I love leagues that have 60-second draft clocks because it weeds out the idiots. The idiots don't get good players because they're not on top of their game, right? The 90 That's seconds— definitely in the later rounds. Yeah. yeah. The, the 90 seconds, you allow, you allow your friends who are casual football fans— to sneak in and maybe potentially make a decent pick. You put yeah. it at 60 seconds, you weed out your casual friends. <laughs> They're easy dubs for the whole season. Commissioners. It's a lot harder to keep that uh, magazine updated, you know, in 60 seconds. Exactly. Right? You can read that. That extra 30 <laughs> seconds makes a huge difference. All right? So, please, 60-second draft clock. Don't take the full time because your entire league's going to hate you for it, specifically me. And I'm not even in your league. Like fun, fun story. My brother-in-law is an ancestor of actual John, Johnny Appleseed, so my name is related to him. Wow. wow. I I feel bad. <laughs> That's for the, a trivia right there. <laughs> I feel bad for the fictitious Johnny Appleseed that I just yeah. absolutely reamed. So Ryan, I so you are destroying my in-laws, yeah. Joe, and I want you to think about that. Ryan, I apologize for <laughs> shaming your family in this. In the sad, sad uh, year of 2020, that we live in. I, I take everything back. All right, we'll call this fictitious person Josh Hudson. We'll just call. We'll no change thanks. his name to Josh Hudson. All right, that is all we have today. Uh, one last time, Ryan, remind us where can everyone find you? Uh, so you can find my writing work uh, at the Fantasy Five. Well, at the Fantasy Footballers website. My Twitter's at the Fantasy Five, and uh, I've been working with Josh for the first year ever. I'm going to publish my rankings, and they're going to be on Woo! your site, Club yeah! Fantasy. So, uh, just more and more stuff I'll be doing with you guys all summer long and all season long. It's going to be an exciting year. So, it means I got to work on the website faster. God, <laughs> these turnaround times tough. And uh, Aaron, Aaron, thank you for coming on the show. And, yes, uh, thank you, Aaron. It's been yeah. a blast having you, man. Um, it's been a great time. One more time, where can everyone find you and your work? Yep. So all my writing is also at the Fantasy Footballers website. Um, find me on Twitter. It's uh, at AA Larson. And then I do have um, my solo podcast where I actually right now, like was mentioned, I just do a quick five minute talk through each team and kind of my process I went through when projecting them. So that's at the process FFP on Twitter. Love it. And you Love can it. follow Club Fantasy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Club Fantasy. FFL, like I said, Ryan's rankings will be up on the website, clubfantasyffl.com later this week. You can check those out. And uh, if you are listening on 97.3 Sunshine Jams in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, first, thank you. Second, be sure if you missed any show, you want to listen back to some of these shows, come closer to draft time to see, you know, why we hate or why we love some of these guys going into 2020. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever device, go find us on there. Always remember, defense wins championships, offense wins fantasy football. Next week, more A Look Inside team previews with the Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, and your Las Vegas Raiders.